0: Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Clay Nully from the San Antonio Orthopedic Group in San Antonio, Texas. Today, I have the distinct privilege of speaking with someone who needs no introduction, longtime team physician at the Chicago Bulls and White Sox, Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Cole's from the Midwest Orthopedic Group at Rush and was the senior author on a paper titled. Can Competitive Athletes Return to High-Level Play After Osteochondral Allograft Transplantation of the Knee, published in September 2017 in the Arthroscopy Journal. His co-authors included doctors McCarthy, Meyer, Weber, Levy, Tilton, and Yankee. Dr. Cole, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me and for uh, uh, furthering the uh, mission of the Arthroscopy
0: Journal. Yeah, so let's just start out um dr cole what is the number one thing you think in in regards to this paper that will grab our readers and listeners attention that they should definitely take away from this particular paper in particular
1: the important take home in my mind is that historically we would often do cartilage repair or restoration procedures in a setting where individuals really had issues with activities of daily living uh and lower levels of activity and we rarely wanted to sort of enter into the situation where uh, we would uh, de- promise to deliver the ability to get back to high impact activities which are associated with high loads that might basically outstrip the ability of the procedure to provide symptom relief the thing about the osteochondral is is it probably is perfectly capable of tolerating the loads of impact ballistic activities cutting pivoting and so forth uh, but the real issue with cartilage repair procedures is that Generally speaking, the higher the loads, the more likely someone is to be symptomatic. So, the real question is, will the procedure endure uh, high loads to keep symptoms low to allow them to tolerate uh, the things that they that individuals enjoy doing? Easier decision when it's in activities of daily living because you know those are generally low load low load situations that are the easiest to predictably deliver to a patient. Much more uh, uh, variable when you start to discuss. The ability to deliver symptom uh free or less symptom uh, lower levels of symptoms when one is engaged in higher effect activities.
0: Absolutely. So would you say would you say that this paper or, or along with some of the other work that you and your group um has done quite a bit of, would you say that it's changed your practice or your your approach to these particular type of patients with this pathology at all?
1: It has. I would say that it wasn't long ago where um we were fairly risk adverse and, we're worried about maybe burning bridges and, and or catastrophic failure. And now having done over 600 osteochondral grafts over 23 years, it is rare we see a catastrophic failure. So the issue is, well, once you go to a osteochondral unit, then you, you can't go back. I get that, but we needed the history of doing these procedures before we would pull the trigger for earlier, maybe even first-line treatment. What we've also learned, though, is that You know, when I would typically uh, perform microfracture or marrow stimulation, the population was often one that uh, might have heterogeneous pathology, might have some subcontinental change and so forth. And I think one of the things we've learned over time is that in the ideal candidate, microfracture still can be a good operation, but it still takes about the same amount of time to feel well as an osteocondal allograft. Uh, The challenge is that uh, while it can deliver good pain relief, especially if comorbidities are respected, Is still much more variable and may have a decline over a period of time, and I think the population you can treat is a little bit narrower with narrower with marrow stimulation compared to say an osteochondral graft. So what I've learned is that uh, we can we may be pulling the trigger earlier is not an unreasonable tenant in a highly active patient population, and that um, the the graft itself can endure high levels of load without deterioration once it's fully integrated. And that was an important lesson that A, I've learned over time, and B, I've learned as we've addressed a more active population, or I should say, a population that really desires to be active uh, and, cannot, and can, cannot accomplish that based upon their level of symptoms due to a cartilage or an osteoarticular
0: problem. That makes sense. So you mentioned, yeah, and you mentioned um, the microfracture, and then and certainly there's been some quite a bit of data coming out, and, you know, and showing in terms of as you mentioned, the long term um, results maybe not being quite as good, particularly some of the larger lesions with with microfractures. So is it, is in your approach, uh, particularly especially in the maybe the, the high level athlete or the athlete, is. Is it more uh, just patient specific? Is it lesion size? Is it depth? Is it a little bit of each of those things? How, kind of, kind of describe maybe your approach or, or algorithm uh, to it for us. Sure.
1: I think you know there's some basic tenets that you know whether you do marrow stimulation or, or other techniques to restore the, the surface or the osteoarticular unit, you still have to respect all comorbidities. One of the challenges with marrow stimulation is that it's easy to do, but that's also its potential downside because. There's a, a tendency to maybe uh, short circuit the rehabilitation, which, for a weight bearing portion of the joint, the tibial femoral joint requires uh, protected weight bearing. There is a tendency to potentially even uh, ignore comorbidities where we often wouldn't do that when we're dealing with higher level procedures such as not start to get a graft. So that's that's the first thing that's really important. So, independent of the procedure, one has to respect the rehab, respect the basic technical aspects of that procedure, and um, and and and. Treat all patients in the same box as far as identifying any of the comorbidities that need to be uh, uh, considered. Um, with respect to where I fit it in, you know, it's it's difficult to just uh, look at an MRI, look at an X-ray, or even an arthroscopic picture and say this is what this patient should get. Uh, it's it's important to, to to sort of not only demand match but a procedure to a patient, but also to understand the dynamics of the patient. If these patients have if a high-level individual, especially in a system that has, uh, you know, uh, uh, many different uh, players in the decision-making, let's say it's a a collegiate or professional athlete where you've got, um, you know, you've got agents, you've got athletic directors, you've got family, uh, you've got coaches, you've got strength and conditioning, you've got athletic trainers, you know, you've got an entire uh, network of individuals who weigh into the decision-making, um, that may be a lot different than a patient who has everything else the same, but doesn't have that system around them. So that all has to be taken into consideration. What year the contract is, what uh, if there are redshirt remaining, uh, how much time they've missed, how old they are, how they f- you know, factor into the team. Those may be variables that um, you have to take into consideration um, that you may not have uh, weighing in in the decision-making for patients who have just an isolated defect that don't have that same system in place. So it's not only about size and what the MRI shows and so forth, it's a comprehensive decision based upon all these variables. That being said, marrow stimulation I think is still a good option for first-line treatment, but I think one can't even forget about debridement as a good option. So if someone has mechanical symptoms, effusions, relatively new onset symptoms, uh, debridement can offer symptom relief and that may be just fine
0: for individuals
1: who are in the midst of season or contract or so forth. Um, However, if you're looking for a long-term solution, maybe because other short-term solutions have failed, then the decision-making gets a little more complex. And I think the easiest one to grab onto is if there's an osteochondral problem of any surface that, uh, independent of what the previous treatment was, I would argue that maybe the best option is an osteochondral graft over uh, isolated marrow stimulation. Obviously, there's going to be exceptions to that. And also very small defects, uh, maybe those that are just uh, outstrip the size that would be amenable to an osteochondral autograft, which would be, say, a 10-11 millimeter defect. But, you know, maybe not big enough that you want to go towards an allograft, you know, which is no hard cutoff, but we'll say two to three square centimeters, and clean subcondyl bone, still could be, all things respected, a marrow stimulation candidate. But you got to do it properly under power, vertical walls, get rid of the calcified layer, respect the rehab, and so forth. Um, so the flip side is the easier patient to make the decision, previous treatment, osteocondyl signal, uh, maybe even a previous marrow stimulation. Uh, that's often an excellent candidate uh to then uh, uh, uh indicate for an allograft.
0: makes sense. Do you think that the um, – does your does your rehab uh, a, a protocol or weight-bearing status um, change for, for the higher-level athlete? I mean, obviously, in the professional setting, their rehab is going to be much, much different than our recreational athlete or, or weekend warrior. But in terms of your particular kind of uh, rehab protocol or weight-bearing status in particular, uh, when you do go with the graft, does it change in any way or is it pretty set? And no. Or? No,
1: it really doesn't. It really doesn't. I think that uh, I would say that marrow stimulation is an incredibly rehab-sensitive procedure.
0: Uh,
1: In in contrast, I think that an ostraconal graft is probably much more tolerant of earlier weight-bearing and um, uh, uh, loading activities. So, um, I I do use continuous passive motion when it's covered. Uh, Whether it makes a difference in an ostraconal graft, I honestly don't know. I don't think anyone has really looked at it with that granularity. certainly doesn't hurt the joint. great to have early motion, but the motion may have less of an effect on, you know, the biology of the graft than it would, for example when someone's trying to develop fibrocarnylist repair after marrow stimulation. Um, I think that you have to abide by the basic principles, which is a shallow graft. Um, it can be done on any surface, uh, but I always protect the weight-bearing post-op. You like to load them as early as you can, because I think load is good for the joint. Keep in mind that patelloframal lesions can be weight-bearing as tolerated, as long as you haven't done a tibial tubal osteotomy. You can weight-bearing an extension, uh, but tibial femoral lesions, uh, those lesions actually will protect you for about six weeks heel touch weight bring but really don't even need a brace and then the real issue is when do you allow them to get back to high-level ballistic high-energy activities I think that that's generally we say six to eight months not a ton of data on the biology of why we make that decision except that there's a revascularization and an incorporation phenomenon that we'd like to respect and I think that that six to eight months period largely will cover it depending on the sport
0: that's great Dr. Cole's article uh, titled, Can Competitive Athletes Return to High Level Play After Osteochondral Allograft Transplantation of the Knee? can be viewed uh, in the September 2017 issue of Arthroscopy Journal or online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Dr. Cole, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. I'm Dr. Clay Nelly, and that concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Have a great day.